Good Sunday morning, everybody. I am your host, Felipe, and you're listening to the season three premiere of the Total Basis Podcast. With me, as always, is Mr. Austin Spiro, all the way from California. Austin, how are you doing this morning? I'm all right, man. Uh, I'm a little sore. My trainer's been kicking my butt, so I can't really extend my arms all the way out because my biceps hurt. But other than that, doing all right. How about oh. you? Oh, man, my biceps hurt. Oh, man. Uh, you're still going to stunt double school? Is that what it is? Yep. I'll How's be doing that going? That in, uh, I'll be doing that in July. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, all right. Well, uh, you'll have to give us some updates uh, uh, in between me uh, pummeling you in fantasy baseball this year. Uh, Jonathan, okay. all right. we have we'll a guest. See. Jonathan is here as well. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you uh, tell the people who you are and what you do uh, uh, and uh, why are you here today? Go ahead. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, I'm Jonathan. I'm a baseball life member. Um, I'm a teacher like Austin. And one of my hobbies is baseball statistics. I made my own set. Uh, we'll plug that later at baseballharmony.com. But um, Austin and I kind of connected through that data and uh, kind of built a bit of a friendship around baseball data. And he invited me on the pod. So I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, well, you might as well just plug it in. Uh, the Baseball Harmony stuff, uh, why don't you yeah. give a quick overview as, as to what that is and uh, where they can find it? Sure. So baseballharmony.com is the website. It's being modified as we speak, but it, it's usable right now. Um, eventually, it's going to turn into a database site where you can search your favorite player and it'll give you the suite of his data. Um, but what Baseball Harmony is, is I used Harmonic Average, one of the three Pythagorean averages, to uh, create a small ball number, a middle ball number, and a big ball number to sort of look at the styles of play. I then took the harmony of those and created an all ball number. Uh, I eventually took my all ball number and took the harmony of war and wins above replacement and OPS plus and created this all warps number. That's sort of an all time ranking style number. So we've been having fun with that number and it's been showing us some things, uncovering some gems and some people that you can really make a case for the hall of fame with this data. So it's been fun. Thanks for yeah. letting me plug that. No, no problem, man. That's why you're here. Uh, you're going to help us out. We're going to help you out. I mean, we, this is what it's about. It's about networking. We, we preach it. And you mentioned it baseball life at the Facebook group. We're about, where are we now, Austin? About 8,000 people strong now. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's about eight and a half thousand, I think. Oh, wow. 8,500 maybe at this point. I, you know, I'm an admin there and I, I've, I've lost track already a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, we were just happy to get a thousand, but now we've uh, kind of uh, gone way, way overboard on that number. And, and we're very picky. Uh, we don't just accept anybody where we go through a vetting process. So, you know, uh, but that's, but yeah, it's like, you know, you tell these bloggers who want to share their stuff all the time and the, the other fellow podcasters, like, Hey, if you're not if you're not doing anything else but just plugging your stuff in and you know you get what you get right or you 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 give what you get what you give i guess is the right terminology right if you're not uh participating in other people's posts and hyping everybody else up what is the point you're not networking you're not uh, building a community with us and uh, jonathan you know even though he can say oh these are my numbers look at my numbers look how pretty they are jonathan engages it with everybody else same thing with austin austin has his own podcast he shares his podcast and he engages with everybody else. And that's why you guys are here, because uh, you guys uh, do indeed help our community grow. So I do thank you for that. And for those who are listening, if you want to join the group, we are the Baseball Life Facebook group. Keep the conversation going over there. So with all that being said, it is, you know, normally we uh, center most of our uh, 
discussions on player evaluations and using statistics like, you know, Jonathan with his all ball numbers and all that stuff. But we're not going to talk about that today, are we? <laughs> we're going to. Uh, a lot, no. No. Uh, you know, Austin brought up some ideas this week and, you know, I misinterpreted them. And it looks like he did some for uh, he he utilized those ideas for his own show. But I already did all the research and I go, you know what, let's take a break from all the uh, number crunching and all the player evaluations. And let's take a look at the calendar flipping over. And it's also a calendar flipping over for us as well. This is season three of the Total Basis podcast. And uh, there's no baseball, unfortunately, to start off this season. But there's plenty of off the field stuff, beginning with the lack of labor negotiations going on between the Major League Baseball owners and the Major League Baseball players. Austin. What is your take on all this uh, negotiation and waiting around to waiting to see something happening or whatever? I mean, I'm not a reporter. I don't have a whole lot of, I don't have any sources. You know, I'm just a lowly podcaster who, you know, does the do podcast and talks about baseball in his kitchen. But what, from what I can see of these labor negotiations, it's essentially the owners complaining that they don't make enough money, even though they're multimillionaires. And they're just going to wait around until the MLB players association caves to what they, to what they want. And the players association is not going to cave. So, you know, as much as I want to see spring training, I don't know if we're going to see spring training. I don't know if, or we'll see an abbreviated spring training. I don't know, but I think we'll, I mean, Manfred is still commissioner. So I think we'll definitely see a lot of, uh, rule changes with this new CBA agreement, but I think it's a lot of, you know, the owners whining and crying about how they're not making as much money as possible where the players are like, you need to share. And if owners are like, no, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. But all I want is baseball. That's all I want to be honest. And I want it to look like at least somewhat like a game that we recognize and just don't change too many of the rules and I'll be okay. Yeah, well, um, expect some rule changes. I think this is they're going to fight tooth and nail for that implementation of the designated hitter. I think the players are all for it, but they want to make sure that the money thresholds are up, which is that's the big issue here. And that's like I'm pretty sure that's like 90 percent of discussions. It's always about the money. I personally personally for my bread job, I do work in contracting. Uh, I wasn't surprised that they were they were going to be willing to take an extended period of time off. And lock out. What I wasn't expecting them to do it was do it so damn early in early December. But then I started realizing that for a lot of these guys, ownerships, uh, front office executives, and um, uh, players themselves, this is probably the most time off they've had in December in a very long time. If you really think about it, December is usually a very busy time of uh, month, uh, of year for a lot of these people, and they looked around and said, you know, screw this. We had a very rough season. We had a rough season last year. This COVID thing is just kicking our ass. Just take off, forget all this, and let's regroup in January. And of course, January comes and crickets, not a lot of tripping. Uh, Jonathan, is that the way you see it as well? Or do you you have a different take on all this? So I'm, you know, I'm I'm in group, uh, very vocal about being pro player and anti-owner. I believe that any hedge fund could own a team. I think that if a team didn't have to make profits and only win, it would based on the way that system works. So I'm very pro player. They create the $10 billion product. Um, you know, play, you know, owner, most owners were born into money. Most players were born into gifts and those players 
have gifts, but you know, they work on it obviously and they're yeah. professionals and the game doesn't exist without their talent. So I'm very, very pro player on this. I also believe that the players are in control here. I believe that the lockout was as quick as it was in the, and this is just my opinion, but I think it was so the ball could get rolling sooner. I think a benchmark is going to be the end of the month. If no talks start, then I think we are going to be where a lot of us thought we'd be February. And when February starts, if the talking doesn't start, then I think we might start missing some time. Um, I think, you know, the owners are going to be okay. I, you know, the investments that they made are going to be okay. The people they hired to do the jobs are going to get paid. Um, they're going to do their jobs and they're, we're going to have baseball again, but the players, the players shouldn't have to give away the money so we can be entertained. And yeah. That's my take on this. It's their money and they make it. It's a $10 billion product. I, you know, I'm a school teacher in Sales Austin. We think the money should go to books. Okay. <laughs> so okay, <laughs> that's our argument, but it's not going to happen. The yeah. players shouldn't give that money away. It shouldn't just go to the owners because they rolled up their sleeves and inherited money. Few of them are even self-made. And the self-made ones like Cuban, who wanted in, were not allowed. So it's a monopoly. I'm not crying for owners. Yeah, and here's the big issue. Uh, coming into the season, the uh, the CBT, which I forget what it stands for, uh, Collective Bargaining Threshold, I think it was, or? Oh, I think man. that's right. Yeah, well, whatever yeah. that is. Uh, they uh, was going to, it was going to go up to $214 million per team. That's the payroll that they were allowed to spend before they go into some sort of luxury, uh, luxury tax threshold. Uh, so MLB's proposal for these negotiations uh, are saying, oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and up it to 220 million. And this is all according to MLB trade rumors. Um Dan Butler saying competitive balance tax. Ah, see, you guys are the best. That's why we have listeners live. Yeah, you guys, you guys can listen to us live at the Baseball Live Facebook group. And speaking of Dan Butler, Dan Butler will be on our very special MLK Day edition of this podcast as we are going to uh, do our Hall of Fame baseball show. So looking forward to that. Thank you, Dan, for tuning in and for helping us there. Competitive balance threshold. I did say that right, right, Austin? Tax. Tax. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i shouldn't be hosting anymore well anyway the, more coffee yeah yeah that's for sure and more less baby yelling at me in the morning in the wee hours of the morning and more coffee when i wake up uh and i just saw something that the players have reportedly set their opening bid for this cbt at 245 million dollars so way off way off the uh the what the owners wanted so there has to be some in between you would think that 230 35 million would be a happy medium. But like I said, uh, just from my personal experience working in contracts, uh, every 10th of a percentage will count. Both sides will fight tooth and nail for, for that little inch of money. I mean, it's a big difference. I mean, uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it, it's like a drop in a bucket. You, we would think it's a drop in a bucket, if, you know, how as to compare how rich these guys are, but yeah, they're gonna just like I said from personal experience and just seeing what the, what the negotiations have been so far, they're gonna fight tooth and nail for every little penny here and every little percentage and every and every everything counts. So, uh, what the one thing I am hopeful for, and we'll start with Jonathan and see if he agrees with this or not, <clears throat> is what I've been reading a lot is uh, that it's in the interest of not just the players but also the owners to 
get these spring training games in right away because owners, you just mentioned it, greedy as they are, they know that spring training games are a dynamic boom in March. So there's a little bit of a time clock this time around, but again, the fact that it's it's been kind of slow is, is kind of disheartening, but it sounds like owners want to be able to implement the spring training schedule per usual. Jonathan, is that the way you see it? Or do you think that's, uh, I don't know, like a, a false sense of, uh, of optimism there? What do you think about the, them trying to get spring training in on a timely manner? I'm glad you used the term false sense of optimism because I have a huge false sense of optimism. I believe the players are in control mm. and I believe that the owners are over a barrel. And I believe that their hair is on fire and they're sitting around. It, this is fine. This is fine. But it's not OK. And the players are just sort of like, cool, man, you can just burn down with that room. Then. I think the owners have a lot more to lose. I think the players, you know, are going to are they're going to have to negotiate. They came in crazy high on purpose. This we're so early in the nego- They're not even negotiating. They're just throwing numbers out into the media. That's the I mean, everybody's super high. Everybody's super low. They're super far apart. They haven't even talked. Um, but I think that the owners need to get spring training started as fast as they can. I think the, one of the reasons we saw lockout happen right away. And I think, um, one of the reasons that ownership has been relatively quiet, they're not, no one's talking smack because they can't, they know they need to get started and they know that they're in trouble. And I think that if you, if you, if you pay attention to just some of the key owners, they want to get started and they need to get started. That's that's the tacit secret thing going on here. I think the owners are over a barrel and they need to get started. So you're right. I agree with you. They need to get um, spring training started as fast as they can. And my huge false sense of optimism is that they're going to puff their chest and act like they're ready to negotiate hard. But I think that they know they need to get started. That's my take. I yeah. hope too. I hope too. But it is also my take. No, I mean, that, that's pretty much how I see it. The, and, and even uh, a lot of the people are saying that if they don't get something going by late January. We're in deep trouble here. Uh, the other thing, I mean, owners want their money for spring training games. But here's the other caveat. Uh, Austin, you as a former player, you guys are, uh, what do you call it, creatures of habit. These players want their their timely routines set up on time as well. So uh, who do you think is going to crack for us? Uh, Jonathan is saying that the players have control. I don't see it that way. I think it's a the owners have a slight edge. They can wait around a little bit. Uh, players don't get paid right. Uh, you know, just for sitting around doing nothing. They they only get paid once the games start. So I don't know. Do you think the players are going to budge first, Austin? Is that the way you see it? Because they want the, their pitchers and catchers to report like they usual, like they usually do. They want to go to the Arizona or Florida sites and start, you know, getting the routines in. What do you, what do you think of all that, Austin? I could see it both ways because as Jonathan was talking, I was talking about, I was thinking, well, yeah, I mean, that this is also a disadvantage with the owners because players are creatures of habit. And, you know, as, as many players that don't do well at spring training, spring training is necessary to get the rhythm that they need in order to get, you know, in order to have a good season. And if you do, and if your star players don't have a good season, then you don't have revenue for that year because nobody's coming to the games. I mean, look at the Angels. If it yeah. wasn't for Shohei Otani, they would have very low attendance because Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon weren't there most of the year, right? Mm-hmm. So you know that you can you can look at that in the perspective of the owners, but you can also look that look at that in the perspective of the players. You already had 
the 2020 season where they had 60, you know, where they only had 60 games and you saw 2021, you saw the effects of 2020 and 2021 Mm -hmm. where you had a number of players who don't normally get injured, getting injured, or you don't, you, you have players you don't normally see perform, perform well, and you don't, you know, and people that normally perform well don't because of the 2020 season. So the players are all just as much as the owners are looking for a regular season. So I don't see it as the owners have the advantage. I don't see it as the players have the advantage. I see it as a standoff. I see it as they're staring at each other and they're waiting to see who's going to blank first. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, I think that's what it is. And I think that's why they haven't met yet because it's literally a game of chicken and they're, and all they're doing is they're going, well, you, you, you call a meeting first. No, yeah. no, 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 no. You call a meeting first. You know what I mean? They're just standing there and waiting for somebody else to crack because the first one who cracks is at a disadvantage. Yeah. And the other, the last solution that you might see, I, I, and I'm talking maybe less than what percent, but it's a possibility is when both sides can't negotiate on something, they'll talk about uh, where, when they can come to a happy medium, they'll talk about, hey, let's just extend it for another another year or so. Everything. We'll just do a, a new amendment to extend for another year and we'll keep continuing to negotiate. But we know once the season starts, nobody really negotiates and we're going to be doing this all over in 2022, 2023 off season. Uh, so I think that's less than 1%. Uh, Jonathan, you're, I saw you very animated when I mentioned that. Do you see them at the last minute just say, you know, screw this. Let's just get the season underway. And let's just extend for one more year, but that's it. We really got to get the ball rolling for next year. Do you see them extending for next year, this uh, current CBA? Absolutely. That's how really? I think. Gonna, I think this is how, that's how that's, this is going to go down because they're playing chicken. And I personally believe, and I've even put this in our, our life, our, our baseball life group. Um, I personally believe that the players are driving a train playing chicken and uh, the owners are driving a truck. So <laughs> owners know they're going to have to get off this track real quick. And the players are just, I mean, the players, the players, I understand they don't get paid and things like that. And I understand money is money. The money is there and the market is there. Those, the owners have billions to lose. The players have millions to lose. I think the argument flips on its head and the players are in control. So um, I think that it gets extended. I think that's exactly what I think happens. You and think they're going to just that's keep how we have spring training. You think they're gonna? You 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 obviously you. I'm just want to double check with you. You see them when it's all said and done, and they can't get anything going. You think they're going to go ahead and just extend whatever the current agreement is right now for another year and keep negotiations going for while the season is underway? So my- what? What? I mean, I would have to sit down with exactly what the current agreement is. I'm sure that there would be amendments. I don't think like the ghost runner is going to be a big problem. I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Seven inning double headers is a problem. Those were. Those were experimental things. I don't think those would necessarily get extended. We might go to an empirical little shell of a let's get a season going. We might miss some games, but like I said, we have to have some spring training. If yeah. the play, I'm an owner, we have to have some spring training. Yeah. Um, but, and that's why I think the players are in control. I think they're, I think that the players are like, okay, I mean, I don't want to have a bad season. I don't want to have a 2020 again. I don't want to have a shortened season. I don't want to have fake numbers again. I, <laughs> I don't want all the baseball groups to go back to 2019 to talk about me again. Yeah. But in the end, they, you know, they can't give away the hundreds and hundreds of millions that the owners yeah. are trying to nab. Yeah. So they're going to they're gonna lock arms in solidarity and stand strong, and they're driving a freight train. 
That's All my right. opinion. I think this gets extended. I think that's a great way to get baseball happening. Oh, and, wow. Uh, Melvin, Melvin Lopez of the, uh, of baseball cosmos page and a baseball life member. He's, he's very pro player. Yeah. Um, he has some choice words for the owners in the comments. Um, yep. he's, <laughs> he's also talking about how there's also baseball being played without a lockout over overseas in the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've got the Caribbean series and we're going to have, uh, we're going to have a lot of that being played. Um, he says there's some being played. If I'm reading that correctly, there's some being played right now. Yeah, I think so. This is the usual, the, the usually, and then he's the one who's, I get my Caribbean news from him. So, cause I, yeah. I, I do a horrible job paying attention. You know, obviously January is horrible for me because Austin, you're helping me this year. And I do thank you a lot, but this is the time when I start doing my fantasy rankings and it takes up a lot of my time. And Austin was nice enough to, uh, put in some work in helping me and assisting me. So I'm, I, this will be the first time that I'm collaborating with someone. But yeah, because I'm so focused on what's in front of my computer screen, I, I don't have the time to look too deep into the Caribbean League. So Melvin does a good job of doing that and keeping us all updated. So I always look forward to his updates over there. Uh, all right. So with that being said, uh, uh, I don't know, Austin, do you, I wasn't going to push to this. I was just kind of giving it as a, as a, as a distant third option that, players and owners would just come and sit and, 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 and talk about extending the current CBA for another year. Do you see them extending the current CBA for another year just so they can get a season going and, and continue talks for the new CBA past 2023? Do you see it that way? Or do you think it's going to, um, that they're not even going to bother extending the current situation and keeping it status quo? I don't. I don't, I don't yeah. think that's going to happen because that's the easy way out. It's a very easy way out. You know, you know what I mean? That's, that's I like the easy it. way out. And I, don't, <laughs> and I don't I don't think either the owners or the players want to take the easy way out with this. They're they are playing a very serious game of chicken. And even then, if they go, well, let's just extend the CBA, then they'll be like, So you're quitting. Right? <laughs> you know, there and so I think even then, whoever suggests we extend the CBA agreement. You know, they're going to go in the, the other party's going to go in and go, well, we have the upper hand now because you couldn't hold out, you know? So I, I, I don't see them extending the season. I think, I think one way or another, we are going to have a new CBA when that is going to happen and what's going to be in it. I don't know. I can, I mean, all of us at baseball life and every baseball fan can guess probably what's going to be in the CBA and what's going to be negotiated, but you know, I think at the end of the day, we will have a new CBA before this season starts. All right. Well, that's good points. Uh, it, it, and by the way, extending current terms and keeping a status quo is pretty common in my area. But, you know, that's with both parties having very uh, friendly uh, rapport with each other. This is ugly right here. But like I said, that's why I mentioned it as a distant third option. But yeah, you guys are both right. This is a very ugly situation between the owners and the players. And let's get some of the other topics that are involved. According to MLB Trade Rumors, summarizing the Jeff Passan uh, article uh, over at ESPN, uh, the other issues are that are in, in play here are what they call competitive integrity and trying to remove anti-taking buzzword. And before I continue, I want to read some of these comments here. Dan. Uh, over from Nashville, saying owners have all the money they can afford, more so than players, to sit for a bit. That said, they didn't become billionaires by continuing to lose revenue. <laughs> and they, I mean, yeah, like Jonathan says, uh, you know, the players have an upper, a little bit of an upper hand. Uh, I'm not, you know, what you, what did you use the the, the train versus the truck? 
with, with the players driving the train and the owners driving the truck. So uh, Mel, or otherwise known as Melvin, sorry, from Baseball Cosmos. Yeah, the lockout is also going to mess up our fantasy rankings. So let's remember what's important. You're goddamn right. You're so <laughs> damn right. It is messing up our rankings. That's right. I mean, let's say we lose games. Hashtag we won our fantasy. Hashtag we won our fantasy. Yes. Uh, Mel, Melvin, sorry. Let's say we lose games, he says. Let's try out 140 game season, maybe. That's a thought. I guess that's a silver lining. Hey, let's make baseball 1921 again. I, I honestly don't know when's the last time they played 140 games, but that's, that's about right, right? It's like the early 20th century, uh, they played about 145 games a season, it seemed like. I don't know. Uh, you guys are Better more... than 60. I'd be okay. Look with it up. There's an internet. Yeah, let's do that. But in the meantime, let's go back to the list of priorities, the off-repeated competitive integrity anti-tanking buzzword. Uh, yeah, that's a big problem. I mean, it's not as big of a problem as it was before. We saw a couple of teams in the last couple of years uh, win World Series when when uh, conventional wisdom would have been for them to tank, so to speak, to just give up. That's the 2019 Washington Nationals who refused to trade away Bryce, Bryce Harper in, what was it, 2018, I believe. And they didn't get any prospects back. They didn't get any whatever uh commodities back in return for Bryce Harper's last season and they refused to give up in 2019 and lo and behold they win a World Series the Atlanta Braves patchwork roster up and down the only good thing about that team that was solidified was their bullpen otherwise that that team needed so many band-aids just to get to the World Series and win a World Series they didn't give up they didn't tank so hopefully that teams are finding out that hey we don't have to just give up just because that's supposed to be the smart thing to do but the players, it seems like they want more of a, what do you call it? Uh, something more written that, hey, we want teams to try not just uh, in season, but also off season. And of course, that would bring in more money. Uh, I don't know what, let's start with you, Jonathan. What do you think about this whole anti-tanking clauses that they might want to write in, write in into the new CBA? So I'm... I'm always I'm very anti-tanking. It it really bothers me. It's 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 a it's a bad part of the game. I, it's a it's 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 the part of the game where I I talk about it as the league versus the game itself. It's the yeah. part I don't like a lot. Um, I don't know if a lottery would fix that. I don't know if a salary floor would fix that. But I think some things need to change. Um, I think a salary floor should maybe happen before a lottery, but. Um, where to set that. I think that could cause its own lockout um, or strike, but um, I, I, I definitely, I definitely, I don't know. I definitely think a salary floor or something like that could, could, could help this cause because I do think it's a problem. It's a problem. And I, and I don't, I don't like that it's profitable to lose and you can just be a terrible franchise for 30 years. I mean, you should lose your team. I think you should lose your team for that. I think you should not even be allowed to own. Like, oh, well, you don't care. You don't want to win? Well, then here comes Mark Cuban. Yeah, right. But it seems like that's... Here comes Mark Cuban. Like, zing. But that seems like that's been an issue with baseball for a long time where you just had a bunch of teams like, well, we're not making any money, so we're just going to trade away all our best players to the New York Yankees so they can win their... uh, Yankees? Yeah, well, baseball history. I'm talking throughout the baseball history here. (laughs) Ah, the Kansas City Athletics. Well, hell, even the Philadelphia Athletics, Connie Mack used to trade all their all, all his uh, big price players just so he wouldn't have to pay them. So it's it's a tell us all this time. But now everybody's making money. Every, there's revenue sharing. Uh, there's no excuse for this. Uh, even the crappy low market teams are getting new stadiums. 
well, except for the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland Athletics, but I, know, I keep being told that they're getting closer. But at any rate, I mean, something has to change. And, and I think, you know, Dan on the comments mentioned salary floor, and that's all what we've been wanting for a long time, salary floor, salary floor. So maybe by forcing teams, yeah, right, by forcing teams to have to spend money, maybe that'll get everybody going uh, to go towards all 30 teams trying to shoot for that championship as opposed to what the current situation, what do you think, Austin? You've been looking at all the rosters uh, for the fantasy uh, rankings. Do you think, do you see, I mean, how many teams do you see are legit world series contenders coming into 2022 as is right now? You know, what's funny is I was looking at, I was looking at these rosters and I would sit there and look at it and I go, man, this team's got some holes. Oh man, this team is really far away. And then I look at other, and I, I think maybe there's a, there's a couple of world series contenders, but it's definitely not balanced for sure. Um, you know, and I think a salary floor would be nice. Um, I know, uh, some people have also talked about a salary, a ceiling, kind of a hard cap. Yeah. Um, but, and I think that would be interesting as well because you've got, you've got big market teams like the Yankees who can afford anybody they want and add and outbid anybody they want. If the player is looking, is looking for money. And then you got teams, you know, like the Rays or the A's who, refuse to spend and won't spend that much money or they don't or they're just not as big of a market team as the Yankees and they're like well we'd like to be able to compete as well but we can't afford the people that want to compete so a salary cap might also be an interesting um uh, be an interesting sort of um fix for this but i don't know how owners are going to be on i don't know how much owners are going to be on board with that or players so you know i i would at least like to see a salary floor i think a salary floor would be really nice pay these guys what they you know and what they deserve but i think yeah like i said a salary floor would be nice i'd also like to see what a salary a hard salary cap would do all this talk about ceilings and floors. I feel like I'm, uh, I'm I'm going to Home Depot, but really, what I wanted to share was the ceiling is the roof. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make the ceiling the roof all again, all over again. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. There, I just you guys are talking about it. I figured we might as well share it. The memes about Michael Jordan saying that. So yeah, let's make that happen. Uh, other issues that are happening here, uh, I think uh, CBS, I, I, I sent over a link to CBS saying that one of the big issues is that younger, the young players uh, are not getting paid what they deserve. Uh, the game is going much younger. Like I tell Austin all the time, when he, whenever he tells me that, oh, man, this guy is uh, 28 years old. Hey, Austin, hold on. That doesn't mean anything because right now, 28 is a new 31. So the new, it seems like the new uh, peak. Unless you're pitchers. Well, <laughs> an elite pitcher to be exact, but yeah, you're right. That's a different story for a different time. But you know, if you're 25, that's basically you're 27, 28 now. I mean, look at Chris Bryant. Uh, he, we were supposed to get a player right in the middle of his peak, and it looked like he just kind of declined in a hurry uh, from my standpoint. And what? How old is he now? 28, 29. He looks I like he's, he's about 29. He looks like he's about 32 now. But that's because the league is going younger because it's cheaper. Vladimir Guerrero was an MVP candidate. He only made $605,000 last year, which, you know, that's a pretty good chunk of change. But for a premier player like that to 
have that kind of low salary. It's very bad optics. Uh, 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 Jonathan, you're shaking your head. Uh, do you agree with me or, or, or am I just uh, playing a violin for these poor, poor players? What do you think about, about these young players not getting their uh, deserved money that, for carrying the league and their teams? So I completely agree. I think it's nuts that they have to eat ramen for six years oh, and then get a hundred million dollars. What, what's going on here? Like, what, is, what sense does this make? I also believe it's hugely pro owner, and it's the, I'm a you know I'm a Cubs fan. It's over there, where is it? right there. So, um, and I'm you're gonna see me whining and complaining and yelling about how there is no rebuild. There is no rebuild because I've read enough articles and listened to enough of Hoyer to hear you don't want. A core anymore you want tampa model you want cleveland's assistant gm you want it to pop for cheap and then burn it down we want to burn and turn we want farm systems we want this epic ramen eating machine that every cubs fan's gonna love but we're getting rid of everybody because we're not doing the core so that's what i'm hearing when i hear all that And I think it's insane that they got to eat ramen for six years and maybe get their hundred million. What if they break their own kneecap and they lose all their power all of a sudden? And now are they going to get their huge, big contract? I don't know. I mean, I'm not crying for millionaires with guaranteed contracts, but at the same time, it's a $10 billion product. Why are we just giving it all the owners so we can get the game going? So, yeah, I think that's crazy. I completely agree. Uh, Austin, um, Well, I mean, and again, these guys are some of the better players uh, who get drafted early. They get a big chunk of change. I mean, that we're not, you know, those guys will be fine, but everybody else, you know, it's, it's like, you're right. I mean, we, we, I shared stories about Miguel Tejada basically surviving on rice and beans out of a can, you know, it, it, his situation didn't, di uh, didn't improve that much when he was in the minors compared to how he was in the Dominican Republic. Uh, and They, they take advantage of that, uh, of the Latino exchange from the Caribbean to the, to the United States, where they could just pay these Latino players cheap money. They take advantage of uh, hundreds and thousands of minor league players who are not the bonus babies, that they're not uh, get drafted highly. They just take advantage of them as well. And they have the, uh, uh, should we even call it farm system? So I, I just watched the movie about slavery last night with my wife called Antebellum. So now I, I don't know if I want to call it farm system anymore. Maybe it's a plantation system that they've been able to pretend. I, I don't know for calling it a plantation. I'm with Mar I'm with Melvin. Marvin Melvin called a plantation system. It's still, right. it's, it isn't what it was. The reserve clause has been destroyed, but it still is just unbelievably in favor of the owners. And uh, let's, uh, Austin, I'm going to shoot this one to you. I did not realize this until I did this research. According to CBS Sports, uh, MLB minimum trails those of the NFL. Remember, the contracts are not guaranteed in the NFL, so just keep that in mind. The NBA, who, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know how the NBA is so popular when so many people hate the NBA, but here we are. And the biggest slap in the face of all, the NHL. All three of those enterprises have a higher minimum than Major League Baseball. The freaking NHL has a higher minimum, which is just crazy to think because they they penny pinch just as good as anybody, if not better. Uh And that's what's keeping a lot of these young players from getting their money. Um, Roster size. Austin, I don't know, man. Uh, you, any chance, do you see any chance that they might come to an agreement on raising that minimum in this CBA uh, negotiation period here? I think, I think they will come to a, I think they will come to an agreement to re to raise the, the minimum. 
but that's going to be a bargaining chip for some other rule change or, you know, some, something else that the owners want. We'll raise the minimum, but we want this too. Of course. You know, and it's going to take, it's going to be some huge asking, you know, asking whatever it is, because I think that's going to be a priority for the players is we want a higher, uh, you know, a higher minimum salary, which should, which they should want. I wholeheartedly agree. They should want, I mean, you know, I could go into a whole rant as to, you know, how the NBA and the NFL, they market their players better and stuff like, and, you know, they oh, yeah. treat their, they treat their players a little better because whatever. Um, I, 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 well, you know, um, I was talking, you know, I was, I was thinking just as Jonathan said, do you also have roster size? But then again, you look at the NFL, the NFL has like 52 players on their roster. Um, so 53. Yeah. Well, I was close. Close you enough. Yeah. Close enough. Um, but yeah, I think it's ridiculous that we have, you know, people uh, people that are past their prime, mm-hmm. like Chris Davis and people like that, who are making hundreds of millions, tens of millions of dollars, and you have prime MVP candidates like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and are uh, yeah, Vlad- who are making six hundred thousand dollars a year. It By the way. Be- the minimum, and I forgot to mention this. So sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to point this out right now. The minimum in Major League Baseball at this moment in time is, according to the CBS Sports article I'm reading here, $570,500 is the minimum. Vladimir Guerrero last year made $605,400, which is what, about 30-ish thousand dollars more than minimum? I mean, that's that's one of your more important players. The play, One of the more uh, exciting players, a young player, a player that everybody wants to come and see, including, you know, the future generation kids. Uh, that's uh, it, it's, it's mind boggling. It's mind boggling that one of the more important young players of this current era of baseball is barely making over minimum. So I just wanted to point that out. Austin, go ahead to finish your thought now, there. Here's a, here's another thing that I was thinking was this might also be in the, in the interest of the owners as well. If you start trying to pay, these younger players as opposed to these older players, because now you're looking at getting these young, exciting players and paying them and enticing them to come a little more because we're going to pay you money. Right. So imagine if some of these other players had a chance to get at Juan Soto earlier or get a chance to get at Vladimir Guerrero jr. Earlier, if they weren't tied up in these six year league minimum contracts, you know what I mean? Right now, everybody else is like, I don't have a chance to get at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Nobody's going to, you know, the the Jays aren't going to trade him and he's not going to be a free agent until he's past his prime. So now I'm going to pay him for what he's done and not what he can do for us. So who knows what he's going to do when he gets older, right? So I think... I think uh, Albert Pujols be, is a good example. Albert Pujols yeah. is the example. And I, you're an Angels yeah. fan, so I'm pretty sure that's in mind. I just wanted to point that out as well. No, I mean, <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with that. And you know what? I will admit, as an Angels fan, I was stoked when we got Pujols. I was like, yes, we got a legend. We're going to, you know, we're going to hit. And then he bombed. Why? Yeah. Because he's he was older. So, that, <laughs> you know, we got to the point where he was declining. And then he turned into, well... We'll get to see him hit his 600th homer as an angel. Well, we'll get to see him hit this as an angel. But, you know, when you look at his overall stats, he's hitting 210 and, you know, is 
hitting a handful of homers for us, but you know, then he's sitting on the bench every other game because he can't run. So, you know, I, I think it would be in the best interest in the better interest of the owners as, as well as the players to look at a way to start paying these players at a younger age, since the game is getting younger. And that's the thing. That's the thing. Do you want to pay for potential or do you want to pay for past uh, accomplishments and owners are clearly tired of paying for past accomplishments, but, and then you see it from fans too. They get mad when players like Fernando Tatis, they get mad when he makes all that money, when he signs that $300 million contract, like, Oh, why are you doing this so soon? Why are you doing this so, so early? But if you, if you, if you would have waited till he's 30 years old when he becomes a free agent and he gets another $300 million contract, people are still going to be mad. So it's not just that the owners are not wanting to do it, but it's like the fans are now, they complain for about everything. They complain when players get paid this much money at a young age. They get mad when they get paid at an older, advanced stage of their career, which brings up a comment from Dan uh, as he's been on fire this morning. Uh, yeah. Thoughts on Luis Robert and Ronald Acuna signing these very team-friendly deals for young stars. And it goes back to what you guys were mentioning. Uh, a lot of these guys are desperate. Uh, Jonathan, I mean, is that is that part of this the, the whole spiel you had earlier about these guys having to eat ramen and here comes a team here. Hey, you want a $110 million contract sign of the dotted line? Huh? What do you think about all that, John? So I think that's part of the problem. I think that the owners are in the pulp or in the, or in the control seat and they can be dangle these contracts out that are saying, Hey, look at this guy. He hurt his knee. Hey, look at this guy. He, you know, tore up his Achilles. I mean, there's a hundred million dollars. You know, sure, you could make 30 more million by holding out. And we're over here saying 30 million is nothing to sneeze at. That's real money. And we're mad they signed these contracts that look too team friendly when they come in too early. But that's a symptom of the system. The owners are in absolute control. They can just play one side of the fence or play the other side of the fence. They just hop the fence, whichever side is better for them to manipulate their player. Look at them, put them down and bring them up and put them down and just control their rookie season. When does it finally happen? You know what I mean? There's just, it, 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 I look at they look like they're like racehorses almost. Yeah, I look at it. I mean, it, it, yeah. I, it bothers me when I look at that. I, they're they're people and they're trying to start families and they want to get their share. They made that money. They earned that money. You yeah. know what I mean? And we paid that money. We want to see them. We don't care about owners. We would we want to own the team. Let let us choose the owner. Bring Mark Cuban in. <laughs> That's it. Goes back to Mark Cuban uh, every time. No, and, and and Cuban place ball players as well, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez. <laughs> Basically, if you're the White Sox, you have a Cuban player. Uh, last, last, uh, let's finish up. Uh, I just wanted to point some other things from the CBS article here that was uh, done by who's it? Dane Perry, I believe. Dane Perry, yeah, Dane Perry. And I mentioned the journalists here because that's going to be our next topic. Let's talk about some journalism, but really quick. Some of the things that uh, that he wrote down in his article is that uh, Max Scherzer is fully committed to fighting for the rights of younger and less tenure players, which before. These uh, the old guard, you know, they got their money there. They, they only cared about getting theirs. They didn't give a damn about the younger players. And if, if anything, they probably saw the younger players as a threat for their spots and their positions. So if Max Scherzer is all in, then, yeah, the, the players definitely uh, seem to have a very united front at this point. Uh, and then I last think about I think it's about ahead. being competitive, right? Yeah. They're not looking at it now as, oh, well, I'm not going to get my money. Some of these players are looking at it as well, now we're going to get some of these younger guys are going to make us more competitive and be able to challenge for the World Series. Yeah. You know, whereas if you can't, you can't pay these guys, you know, then they're not going to want to come because 
I'm not going to pay you. So they're not going to want to come over. And who knows? You might miss out on the next Mike Trout, the next Juan Soto, the next whatever. Excuse me. Uh, and oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. And I think you're, I think you're exactly right. And I think that people like Scherzer see the league as hanging itself. And oh, that's they what see that, okay. Yeah, the league's hanging themselves. I mean, Scherzer's legacy is, you know, is what it is, but he also believes in the game and the game needs to exist. And you, you play to Tatis, you play to Soto, you play to Vladdy, you play to Acuna Jr. You, that, I mean, you play to your superstar young players and you build it that way. How are you going to get kids to play baseball when they have to wait till they're 30 to get paid? Like, I mean, every kid yeah. dreams of swinging that bat, hitting that home run. They also want to be rich. Yeah. And like, it's not just for the love of the game. There's the dream of being a superstar and being a rich superstar with a Ferrari. Why do they have to wait till they're 30 to get the Ferrari? And maybe it happens. I don't know. Yeah. So I think that I agree. With, I completely agree with Austin. For the legacy of the game, the old timers are saying, well, it behooves me right now to get a little extra out of this negotiation to backload it for us. But that they have what they needed. They're trying to save the game, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, let's, let's, Let's put, let's just put this out there. Not everybody's going to be a superstar. Not everybody's going to hit their potential. I mean, we see this all. Austin, you, we saw doing the fantasy podcast last year. We see it all the time that these players just fall short. And, and some of them have redemption stories like Jonathan India, who kind of fell from grace and then worked hard, got, you know, start being productive where the Reds couldn't um, ignore him anymore. And he got rookie of the year last year, but he did have a fall from grace for a while. Uh, and, uh, you know, he turned it around, but not for, for every Jonathan Indian, there's about a hundred players who don't make it. So, but hopefully, you know, as all, what's that old terminology, that old idiom as, uh, as the sea level rises, all ships rise as well. So maybe that can, uh, well, isn't that what trickle down economics is supposed to be there, Jonathan? I, I, at least I thought that was supposed to be how it works. I, that's tied economics. It's from the bottom up. Ah, it's okay. So trickle rise. down is from the top down. Yeah, yeah. Peeing, well, on your, peeing on your back. Yeah. Well, that's why I have a couple of teachers here so they can correct me on these terms. <laughs> I don't teach it that way, by the way. That was my personal opinion. In class, I don't, I don't knock trickle down like that. I, <laughs> I ask questions. But I don't throw my opinion in there. I just I want that disclaimer. All right. Last thing, uh, and I just and I mentioned this earlier, but here's the actual quote from Dame Perry: Spring training games at sites in Arizona and Florida have become a profit center for teams, and they don't want to lose those games. Players, meantime, don't get start getting che- don't start getting checks until the regular season begins. So the prospect of a shortened spring training figures to increase pressure on the league side to get a deal done. All right, and then lastly, uh, Dan is pointing out that Bobby Bonilla made more money than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in twenty twenty one. So isn't that through twenty? What is that through? It's to like thirty two or something. Well, um, if, well, and just a reminder that. Every team does this. Well, not every team. Some teams, uh, like the Nationals, they do this where they defer payments. Uh, so be ready Mookie's to. Deferred. I'm when sorry, what? Mookie Betts' contract is, Yeah. When Mookie Betts' contract is done with the Dodgers, Bobby Bonilla will still be making money. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I mean, uh, sometimes these deferred deals aren't too bad. I mean, the, <laughs> anyway, that's a different topic for a different situation. So that, so that's all we got for you in terms of the uh, labor negotiations. Uh, not something I, I you know, I, I honestly don't like talking about this crap because it's just, it's like, just get something done already because nothing's happening, but literally there's nothing happening. And we had a show where we were going to bust out some 
uh, baseball savant numbers, but I figured, you know what? Austin brought up this other idea about journalism and baseball. Unfortunately, I misread, and he said that he was going to do it on his own podcast. But by then, I had done all this research, and now I have thoughts on this. But uh, let's start with you, Austin. Uh, what made you want to talk about journalism in baseball on your Round Trippers podcast? You know what? So I remember a few years ago uh, on the MLB Network, you had Ken Rosenthal. You had you know some of these other um, baseball journalists, they had a segment where they sat there and they talked about the state of baseball journalism mm. and how the, how it works behind doors and what their processes and how, you know, how they operate. And I thought it was really, really interesting, right? I thought it was really cool because you don't get to see that as a regular fan. I mean, I'm, I'm a podcaster. I would say this is baseball journalism as much as anything else, but I know that I'm no Ken Rosenthal. Yeah. Right. I'm no Tom Ferducci. I'm no Jeff Passan or anything like that. Those guys have a really interesting job. So it was really interesting to listen to, to the perspective of, or to listen about baseball perspective from their perspective. Right. And so then I heard the news of Ken Rosenthal and his departure from the MLB network. And I'm like, Oh, we got to talk about this because this is baseball's premier journalist. Yeah. And he's not getting a con his contract renewed. He should be getting more deals. And the fact that he's not, and the fact that he's not getting his contract renewed by the main sport that he covers yeah. is I was like, this is bananas. So I wanted to bring um, some people that have experience in the industry and just talk about, the journalistic process and baseball journalism in itself, because I thought this was a really, really interesting topic to talk about, talk about how um, certain things in the business affect the journalistic process and how the journalistic process works and just what the general reaction was from Ken Rosenthal being not being asked to come back to the MLB network. Well, it's not the first time that Ken Rosenthal has been told that his work has no value to them because, because uh, unfortunately, I don't want to say this is the norm because I feel like there's a little bit of change happening in the air, but it's too soon to tell. And from my viewpoint to see if this is going to make any effect, I was going to say this to the very end, but the athletic, I mean, the athletic was bought out by the New York times. So maybe that's a step in the right direction for more high end journalism to make its way back. But this is not the first time that Ken Rosenthal's uh, contract was not renewed back in 2017. I believe if I uh, have my dates, right. Uh, he was fired or not. Was he fired or was he just released? Whatever the case is, FoxSports.com, not Fox Sports television, but FoxSports.com decided, you know what, Ken, we appreciate you being an insider. We appreciate you having the journalistic chops. We appreciate you uh, being a great writer, but we are not looking for that anymore. It's all about video. They literally took away the writers from FoxSports.com and just focus on video only. And that's part of the problem is that, you know, nobody cares because number one, Ken Rosenthal already writes for the athletics. So he's going to get his writing stuff in no matter what. And you got to pay it, uh, go through a paywall to get to it anyway. So, you know, if you want to go see Ken Rosenthal's writing, go purchase the athletic subscription because apparently they can use more subscribers. And number two, Fox sports saying that they don't care about writing is basically what happened to was Scott Miller. Also another baseball insider, another baseball columnist over at, for who used to work at CBS 
for a very long time, from 1999 all the way to November 2013. 2013 is a very special year for me because that's when I started doing, uh, trying to become a sports writer uh, over at XNSports.com and really pushing uh, myself to become a regular sports writer. It didn't happen, but, you know, what is this? Uh, almost 10 years later, now I have my own podcast thanks to the Baseball Life Facebook group. But regardless, when I saw Scott Miller basically not be uh, valued from a company like CBS Sports, that was pretty disheartening because what does that make me? Like, what chances do I have of moving up that ladder? You know what I mean? So Scott Miller had to go, you know, he got fired from uh, CBS or, or, or simply not renewed by CBS. I don't know. I forgot what it was. But and then about what December, January, February, March, April, about five months later, he gets hired by Bleach Report. Now, think about that. I, want, I, I paused there for a little bit to uh, let that linger. He went from CBS Sports to Bleach Report. And that's back in 2013, 2014. Not much has changed, as you guys can see, uh, in terms of baseball writing. Jonathan, go ahead. So um, I guess I'm, I'm glad. I, I went, Austin, I went, Austin, did you push for me to be on because we kind of disagree here? I'm not surprised he got fired. I, actually, I asked you to be on this podcast because okay, we were going to well, uh, talk about, you know, number crunching, but I, then was, this happened. Was it because I was ranting about uh, Rosenthal? I, I think Rosenthal, Rosenthal, he just fired, he quit. He fired himself. He, he knew what he was doing. He knew that you can't, you can't criticize the figurehead of that organization right before you're about to get renewed at your other job and get your job back. He knew that. I mean, he just knew what it was. So I think he quit. He, he, he decided that Manfredo needed to have such a lambasting by someone who knew what they were talking about that he needed to quit. And that's what he did. He doesn't, it's not, so uh, people are saying, well, the MLB is trying to censor him. That's a business. He worked for the business. He worked for the business side of it. You know, he worked for, he worked for the PR firm and then he dogged it. So of course he got fired. I mean, he didn't get fired, but of course he didn't get asked back. He didn't want that job back, but he went out there and said what he said. And that was him saying, well, if you bring me back, you're going to have to accept this. And he put it out there and it's not, he knew that he knew that. So I'm not surprised he didn't get asked back. Do I think that the MLB should have more transparency and have more people on and have more self-criticism? Absolutely. I think they will. I think that they they didn't necessarily realize that the that the bat. I think they they thought, well, of course we're going to let him go. He he, he fired himself, so um, they didn't necessarily realize the look of it would be that they're trying to censor. So they're going to push a little harder for some more self reflection. I think, and I think that that's going to be a necessity. But this is almost like Passan was hired by. The Windsor family to work in Epson. Uh, Rosenthal was hired by the Windsor family to work in PR, and then he dogged the Queen. Of course, you're not coming back. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not surprised he's not coming back. Yeah, if uh, me, I work for a, a a big corporate entity, and you notice that I only talk in vague terms. I don't go into too much specifics because I don't want to make our my my company look bad. And I don't want to make our partners look bad. Uh, it, and I, I I refuse to talk specifics. So this is the piece that. Uh, Rosenthal wrote as one example from the New York Post uh, from, uh, oh, I forgot his name. I got to go back up top. Let's see. Who is this guy? Andrew Marchand of oh. the New York Post. Yeah. And uh, I know that you guys mentioned it over at Round Trippers, but this is the one example Rosenthal wrote. As if the perception that Manfred is beholden to owners and out of touch with players was not bad enough, he was trending on Twitter on Monday after performing a massive flip-flop. 
uh, that's kind of tame, but it was, you know, like Jonathan said, that might've been enough to say, you know, let's like, screw this guy. His contract's up in 2021. He goes off. He is not seen again for, for like uh, the three months after he, after some of the stuff that he wrote. Uh, let's see. He did return to the trade deadline, which was pushed to August 31st because of the COVID of COVID-19. But before August 31st, he was not seen on television on MLB network for a long time, but guess what? Don't feel bad for him, Argentina. He still is on Fox Sports uh, television. So you're going to see Ken Rosenthal. He didn't go away. And with the New York Times acquisition uh, of The Athletic, it might be time for a big boom from Ken Rosenthal and other writers just like him to get more exposure. exposure. So hopefully this is a a step in the right direction for those people who want to get good journalism and good insider information from the premier and uh, premier journalists in Major League Baseball. Um, so I, I I think that it's I think it's mostly just a reason to just hate on Manfred, which is you know it's 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 rightfully so. It's very easy to hate on Ron Manfred, but I, I think this is much ado about nothing. I mean, he said something he that he I don't know if it was something that he was trying to do on purpose, and it does look pretty tame. Manfred does look soft. He does come off looking soft here, but it is what it is. I mean, we've I've seen a lot of my favorite journalists not get renewed for a very long time now that it's just like, no, oh, yeah, whatever. It's, it's, it, it, that's the state of, that's the state of baseball journalism and baseball is like, you're talented, you're good, but you know, meh, we can just replace you very easily. And that was my next topic of discussion. But before I go into that next topic of discussion, cause I, I, as you can see, as you guys can see, I have a lot to say about this, but I don't want to hog up too much time here. Uh, Austin, any final words on what we said about MLB? Cause it's a different, I, I listen to your podcast and it. And I can already tell this is a much different conversation than what you had on your own podcast. But any last uh, words as to what we said about this whole ordeal with Rosenthal and MLB Network? It, it is very different because on the Round Trippers podcast, we were talking about basically the relationship between Rosenthal and, and Manfred, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I talked a lot about was Manfred behind Rosenthal being let go by the MLB Network? Because yep. you're having baseball's premier journalist not coming back to the network that's all about baseball. It's got to come from the commissioner, right? Because the television network, everybody loves Ken, Ro- or I shouldn't say everybody, that's a bit hyperbolic. But a lot of people like Ken Rosenthal, you know, whether it's his bow ties or his personality or what he writes or some yep. of the little quips that he has, whatever. He's a very likable person in any television network would want somebody like Ken Rosenthal. That's why he has so many things. But, you know, speaking on just Ken Rosenthal, I think one of the only people in this business that could do what he did and lose uh, lose his job at the MLB Network and still be okay is Ken Rosenthal. It's not like he left, you know, it's not like he didn't get his contract renewed and you didn't see him ever again. It's not like, Scott Miller, where you didn't hear from him for five months until he got picked up by Bleacher Report. He's still got Fox Sports. He's still got The Athletic, which was just purchased by the New York Times. So he's still getting seen on a national level, you know, pretty regularly. So I think this was his moment to go, you know what? I'm over saying stuff that I don't believe in. I'm over, you know, we need this. Or even speaking from a maybe from a journalist perspective, this is what the fans want to hear. Maybe that's not even as true. Maybe it's like I see there's a lot of fans that have a disdain for Manfred. 
I'm going to write something that criticizes Manfred for readers. So he's, so he's pandering a little bit. Well, Maybe. You, pan, you pander, you, you, this is your result. I mean, sometimes pandering isn't, isn't a good thing. Sometimes it's good. And to... I mean, he's got national television deals with Fox sports and he's, and he's writing for the athletic, which is one of the premier yeah. top baseball sports writing companies right now in this nation. Yeah. So yeah. he didn't lose much. Yeah. Right. So nah, he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. And then, but you know, as long as he's with Fox sports, I, I doubt that they'll allow him to go to any other network to work with. And with the athletic, I mean, why would he need to write for anybody else at this point? Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's not, he's definitely not going to foxsports.com because there's, I think they're still doing videos, which brings up my next topic, um, uh, which is the decline. I, I think it's a decline in journalism across a lot of these major websites talking about websites like Sporting News, USA Today, where it has this blog feel to it. Uh, the writing isn't there. It's a lot of unknown bloggers who got promoted to, or maybe even interns who say, all right, here, write something about this. And you could tell that it's some green as hell writer who is trying to get his uh, start in this business. And they're, I don't know, to me, they're very poorly written. And they're just basically piggybacking off what the major net, the major networks like ESPN is doing and posting it on their website. And it, it's, it's I don't know if you guys ever gone through these, uh, what what you thought would be, like even Sports Illustrated, you, you know, so since we're mentioning Tom Berducci, they, you go onto these websites and it's like, wow, this is, this is very subpar writing. So <laughs> that's why, and that's what makes the athletics so uh, endearing to a lot of people is that you got the best of the best writers and it sounds like they have no muzzle on. They're not being censored. And they write in very, I mean, the experience just shows up. Another example, Jason Stark got let go of ESPN. I don't think he said anything bad about ESPN, but they basically said, you know what? We, we, we had, it's been a good, uh, let's see, 17 years. I think it's time for you to go. And he, and he was let go before Rosenthal was let go by FoxSports.com. Um, uh, on April 20, on April 26, 2017, he was laid off from ESPN along with other on-air personalities, which, oh yeah, guess what? MLB Network has been trying to revamp their network as well. So this is a common thing uh, at, at the major networks. You know, after a while, they say, you know what? We need new fresh blood. We need some, Chris Rose, another likable guy, is let go. You know what? He's doing okay. He's Now he's doing highlights by himself at NFL Network. So these guys are fine. They'll lay it on their feet. The, the violin that was carried on for Ken Rosenthal. It's just kind of ridiculous. I mean, he, you're still going to see him and you're, and you're seeing Jason Stark. You want to see Jason Stark pay for the goddamn subscription. Don't be cheap, you know, but uh, let's see. And then, but the difference between a guy like Jason Stark, which is probably going to be a more common thing theme than a guy like Ken Rosenthal, who has a little bit more of uh, a presence. Stark was laid off on from ESPN on April of 2017 he started writing for Athletic in April of 2018. So a full year where he didn't have a place where he, uh, his writing could be um, easily accessible to a mass audience. Scott Miller, going back to Scott Miller, and now he's doing gigs left and right here and there. Uh, he'll do some appearances for MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM, apparently according to his LinkedIn bio. And since 2014, so he was able to land on his feet. It took him a while, but he was able to land on his feet. He's doing some work for this as a San Diego baseball insider for Fox Sports uh, for the Padres, I guess. So he'll be fine. If, if, if these recognizable, unless you're like, I don't know, if you say something controversial, 
like certain or or you do or you do something very controversial like you know i think i domestic violence or you kill someone or you say something that's that demeans a group of people the as well my friends used to tell me all the time who also wanted to become a, a sports writer the cream seems to always rise to the top so these guys are fine but it seems like this is the direction that uh journalism is heading is uh you know more video content more uh of a instant satisfaction instant gratification i think that was also mentioned in the round trippers more instant gratification uh we don't need to we don't always need to read these wonderful written prose and uh you know just give us the information that we need right away i mean we can always go on twitter like again round trippers podcast we can always go on on twitter and, and just get the the cliff notes of what happened we don't need to have all these fancy articles to um tell us what exactly happened so but that's i don't know i i have a more bleak uh standing in terms of baseball and journalism because you know but there's you know, some optimism and I, I know i'm rambling like i said this is a topic that i'm pretty passionate because I, I i lived through all of this since 2013 but as for for guys like austin and i who and, and jonathan who are stat based people you know there is some hope we've seen writers from baseball prospectus and from fan graphs go on to get jobs at actual mlb front offices now they're not ken rosenthal but you know you guys have heard of these guys the kevin gold uh, Jonathan, you gotta, yeah, you're gonna have to correct me on this. Uh, Kevin Goldstein is that his name from uh, the Houston Astros? Well, yeah, he, so. he didn't, he, well, he's no longer with the Houston Astros. Uh, he decided, I mean, after the whole trash can thing, I'm pretty sure that he didn't want to do, be a part of that anymore, but he's not with <laughs> fan graphs. Uh, and I think Dave Cameron's with the uh, with the Padres, uh, Jason McLeod. Last I checked, he was uh, in the running to become, I believe, the general manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks as well. These guys all started as evaluators on these baseball websites, these nerdy baseball websites that, you know, people would be like, ah, oh, these analytic people are ruining the job. Well, guess what? These analytic people are going to ruin your baseball team because they're going to get hired by these MLB front offices. So some hope that, you know, that maybe journal- that good sports baseball journalism isn't dead quite yet. And that these baseball journalists are getting rewarded for their hard work. So uh, I don't know. Austin is, uh, I, I, that I don't think was mentioned on your podcast, but what do you think about, that outlook from here on out about maybe parlaying a career as a sports writer to become a, a, a front office executive in MLB, ML, on MLB franchises. Well, it's funny because we were, we were just talking about our on the round trippers podcast. I brought Vince from mm-hmm. Dong city on and he had great things to say. It was a great discussion. And one thing he talked about and uh, Corey uh, another baseball life member was also on there. And we talked about how social media has changed the look of baseball journalism yeah. and that, and that instant gratification piece. And, you know, that video content, you're no longer looking for the Tom Verducci's of telling a story and, you know, writing these three, four page pieces and getting the whole story all at the same time. So you can create this great story. You need to have a personality now. And that's why people like Ken Rosenthal and even Tom Ferducci have been able to transfer over to visual media instead of written media because they have a personality or they have a shtick, right? Like Ken Rosenthal has his quips and his bow ties on top of his baseball analysis, Mm -hmm. right? So if you don't have a personality 
or you don't have, you know, or you don't want to be part of the visual media, then, and you, you, you know, you're, you're looking at being at the dying art that is writing, you know, um, written media, then yeah, you're going to be looking for a spot on a baseball team so that you can still do what you want to do, right? These evaluators at Fangraphs can only last at Fangraphs for so long because Fangraphs eventually goes, okay, we need new blood as well, just like the rest of them. So yeah, these evaluators are going to be looking for spots in baseball. And if they can't do written media and they can't do visual media, they're going to go look for a specific team. So yeah, I can, I can, you know, see some of these people in these nerdy websites, especially with the lean towards uh, sabermetrics and analytics now. Yeah. It's a prime spot for them to, it's a prime spot for them to make uh, or, or to, to be in the front offices of these, of these major league teams. Really quick, another article I found uh, for the research on this topic uh, back in 2015, Tom Gage of the Detroit, uh, what the hell was he working on? Uh, He was a Detroit uh, beat writer. I forgot for which newspaper and I can't, oh, the Detroit News. Uh, And this seemed to be a common theme throughout the last decade or so where experienced beat writers were also being let go left and right and replaced by cheaper alternatives. And when I say cheaper alternatives, I'm not talking about fresh face green or straight out of college uh, kids I'm talking about like no we're dropping baseball content altogether because we can't afford it like there was a story where they were talking about how the Baltimore paper was counting on the DC newspaper the Washington Times I guess or the Washington Post for the Baltimore Orioles updates and vice versa the Washington Post or the Washington Times I forgot which one but the Washington DC newspaper was counting on the Baltimore sun or the baltimore whatever newspaper they use they were using the baltimore uh newspapers to get the orioles information in as opposed to having their own exclusive beat writers going to baltimore and you know writing down the story for the for the uh their their respective newspaper that's no longer uh a a thing now uh same thing in ohio there was a they mentioned a paper in ohio i think it was the dayton out of dayton where they were no longer sending beat writers to Cleveland or Cincinnati. They were just using AP News, Associated Press, for their updates, which, Jonathan, it's a weird thing to hear about that. But I don't know about you, but I grew up reading the Tribune, the Chicago Tribune, and the Chicago Sun-Times, and the Daily Herald. It's crazy to think that we're in a world now where young kids like we were back in the 90s and early 2000s opening up their newspaper, and there's no local flair. It's a it's a it's a national uh, it's a national coverage of your favorite team because these papers are no longer are seeing the value in individual beat writers. Uh, I mean, am I being too harsh here, or or is uh, do you see it differently, Jonathan? Let's hear from you. No, I mean, I think you're I think you're on here. It's sort of the remote nature of our our society as we're transitioning into this, you know new phase of the information age where we could sit up in bed, do our entire day, lay back down and then we're done. You know, it's almost like it's, we're plugging into the matrix and we don't need the old systems anymore. It's gone rogue and everyone is, can be their own journalist. All of a sudden you don't need a publisher like you did to write a book anymore. You don't need Atlanta, you know, uh, Columbia records to get your, 
your vinyl record finally pressed and put out there because no one has access to studios. It's, it's this, it's the, it's this new information age. It's this very remote version of everything where, you know, it's almost like, you know, they're going to have teachers, you know, in Washington, DC teaching classes all over the country. Right. And it's going to be a robot up there. It's just this transition that I think is really hard to deal with where we're moving toward this more matrixy style of, of, of a society where we're, we're remote and, and we, 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 we are our own brand and we just make ourselves our own brand. We start a pod, we create a website, we create our own data sets. And all of a sudden we can become an authority on our own and we don't need these teams or studios or things like that. It's going almost freelance rogue where if you can build a name for yourself, you're this Ronin journalist out there now who has no master come hire me for what you need. I, I, I work for these rates, for example, or quote my stuff. Teams turn to Twitter for their news. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really gotten into this decentralized rogue, rogue version. I think it's going to be hard to handle. I think it's hard to accept. Um, but at the same time, I think it may improve the integrity of the journalism because while there's so many voices screaming that there's going to be a lot of nonsense out there, there also isn't a hand puppeteering it, controlling it. So I think we're right. I mean, this part, you know, you can make this argument all the way to exactly what's going on in society right now. We're in a transitional period where we have all this information available to us, but we don't know how to see, you know, to carve out the nonsense and find the right information. It's out there. It's not being hidden anymore. We just <laughs> don't really have the ability to find it because there is no house guiding us. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, that's something that's just something we're going to have to get used to and we're going to have to kind of deal with. Sounds like Um, you're telling people to do your own research. And you know, it's like, it's like I tell people all the time who complain, oh, there's no more good music anymore. I can't find any good music. The radio's not playing good music. And I hear this in a Spotify Pandora title world where you can now go and look for your own goddamn music and stop complaining that there's no more good music you don't have to just listen to 1970s rock to get your jollies on you can it's out there you just got to look for it but you know it, it i think you're you're onto something here saying the that it's a transition period that people got used to being spoon-fed everything and yeah, we want now yeah, we, we want all the information but we don't want to work for it we just mm. don't know how to deal with it yet so we're just, it's changing it's changing and change is very hard that's a good talk, but let's finish up here uh, with this, the with the athletic uh, being bought out. The athletic brought in. For, oh, where was I? Sorry. Uh, the New York Times has purchased sports news provider The Athletic for more than half a billion dollars. The company announced. Hey, who says that journalism is dead? Um, the deal value at five hundred fifty million is a major acquisition for the Times, as it looks to beef up. Now, here's where it gets important, guys. It looks to beef up its digital subscriber base and audience. What that tells me is we want more young kids to get on get, to get on on this, and that's what it is. And so I wanted to, Austin. You mentioned this. You need to have a personality. You need to have a shtick. You need to have a gimmick. And I guess that's always been a thing. It just hasn't been this uh, prevalent. Hasn't this been in this in your face? But yeah, you want to st- stick out from your competition. You got to have something that makes people think. Oh, I got to listen to this guy because he has that thing that I'm comfortable with. Uh, and and of course. The one thing that I think about is Jimmy the Greek from the 1970s, who was, uh, you know, posting all the bets on, on, on a national televised. I think it was for CBS Sports, and then he got in trouble. But yeah, a shtick, a gimmick. So what's my point in all of this? And, and, you know, it's like, it's not just a personality issue, but it's also, you got to have 
the savvy to be able to manipulate digital content so waves of people can be attracted to your product and by then helping them the major puppeteers as jonathan put it for lack of a better idiom to be able to justify their existence justify those subscriptions and and create controversy to create cash to use a wrestling term from a you know from former wrestling promoter but anyway long story short why is this important because the athletic brought in 47 million dollars in revenue in 2020 while burning 41 million dollars the information reported and projected 2021 revenue that would jump up to 77 million so hey listen what this is showing is that there is a hunger for good sports writing out there from sports writing from sports junkies from hardcore sports fans so hopefully this is a very good deal for both. Hopefully uh, journalistic integrity and reputation isn't quite dead yet, but we shall see if this is a, a, a key acquisition or new, the New York Times last stand. Um, but from what I'm hearing, the New York Times is also doing just fine. It's still a reputable source. I listen to their podcast every morning. Uh, they have very interesting. Uh, and it's like when you listen to and read the New York Times I'm sorry, but there is a sense of like, well, if it's the New York Times saying it, it must be true because they're not just, we expect a higher level of, uh, of benchmarking from them. Um, so there's that. All right, let's quickly transition. I mean, Austin, do you have any last words on this before I let you go? I know you had a lot to say on it on the Ron Trippers podcast, but any little nice bow tie you want to put on this to use Ken Rosenthal's gimmick on this topic of discussion here? I thought it was funny that you were talking about creating their own controversy and stuff like that, because we also talked about that on uh, round trippers. Vince brought up how um, ESPN especially is very good at creating their own rumors mm -hmm. at the, in the morning. And by the end, by the end of the day, they have a huge story around some rumor that mm -hmm. never existed until they created it. The example he said was this is Aaron judge's, walk walk year this is his final season with the yankees right and so you know let's just pretend with aaron judge say you know this is aaron judge's walk year and at the beginning espn goes okay this is uh yeah this is his walk here the yankees haven't signed him up yet is aaron judge unhappy in new york and by the end of the by the end of the day the story is aaron judge may be unhappy in new york here's six teams that could use aaron judge and so now you have ESPN. Now you have ESPN who has created this story and now you're going to have all these other small freelance writers going, well, I have an idea for, for Aaron judge. Here's his stats. And here's where I think he should go. Yeah. When yeah. Aaron, when Aaron judge is looking there going, I never said anything about me being unhappy with the Yankees. Yep. Right. The other one that I talked about was my example was Carlos Correa. Mm -hmm. Now I said it on the, on the round trippers podcast. I may have even said it on total bases where I said, Carlos Correa belongs on the tigers. Carlos Correa and the tigers are a match. They, they, this needs to get done. I think, I think Carlos Correa is going to the tigers. Tigers would be dumb if they don't sign, if they don't sign Carlos Correa and a bunch of other, uh, you know, you saw a bunch of people saying, oh, A.J. Hinch had dinner with Carlos Correa. A.J. <laughs> Hinch had dinner with Carlos Correa. It's happening. there. He's going to Detroit. And then a week later, Javier Baez signs with Detroit. Where the hell did Javier Baez come from? I forgot Javier Baez was a free agent. I What? Like, so. And this is why. 
I don't give a damn about rumors. I just tell me what happens because I don't have time for this nonsense. It's like <laughs> everybody has, and like you said, now all these little websites, all these little bloggers are like now, now they have content for their clickbait articles, and it becomes a thing. And then at the end of the, uh, the uh, when it's all said and done, at the end of the day, the complete uh, the complete opposite. It's like wrestling. A, a swerve just occurred, and we're all left holding the bag. Like, oh crap, that's not what we were told was going to happen. Oops. Oops, but that's why I don't. I don't care. So the thing, the, the fundamental thing about journalism, and sports writing in general, is to write about sports in a manner where people have to give a shit. They have to care, and they have to convert these little feelings of theirs that's bottled up inside, in order to get purchase the information that that you that you're trying to sell. That's all sports writing is. So if that's what ESPN does, which makes total sense. More power to them. They're the worldwide leader for a reason. But yeah, then it, it creates the, this domino effect where now everybody's trying to get on that train. And again, it's like wrestling. When wrestle when when the WWE has a WrestleMania event, all these little wrestling promotions go to that to that city where WrestleMania is being held, and they have their wrestling shows that's uh, is surrounded that is surrounded by the wrestle the actual WrestleMania event because they want to be able to get that rub. I think it's the same thing happening here. And that's the reason why um, a lot of these websites are just following whatever ESPN does. And then they just get that information, call it their own and run with it. So, but again, it's all about getting a, a pub, getting the public to care about sports. And then they just trigger these feelings from people. And, and that's why I don't pay attention to that. I'm telling you, Austin, when I was listening to your podcast, I just wanted to jump in so bad and, 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 and intervene because again this is a passion project of mine this is something that i wanted to do and after what almost 10 years of doing this i'm kind of feeling like a little um pessimistic but i'm i'm very you know encouraged by what i'm seeing here the new york times buying out the athletic uh these other sport these big name sports writers still landing on their feet in other places um but um i don't know this is the thing that i don't like this is why i stick with you know the nerdy side of things the fan graphs baseball perspectives baseball savant all those websites because i really don't care about a player struggling because his girlfriend dumped him i don't care i, I just i don't see it anyway I, this is a topic I, as you guys can see we can go on all day but let's uh quickly move on to the other things that we we're going to talk about because we were already over an hour so let's make this quick uh jonathan let's start with you what did you learn from 2021 what I learned from 2021, I learned that uh, you can build a team really well like the Padres and they can still lose. So <laughs> you do have to you have to make it. You have to look at chemistry and you have to look at uh, people like me who talk about the baseball manager being the most worthless position in all of sports from a management or coaching perspective. But that being an example speaking against me, how well, you know, I think – there's some locker room chemistry or clubhouse chemistry stuff that needs to happen and things like that. Um, you know, I, you know, what did I learn? What did I learn? I learned that people are going to react and freak out and hire Buck Walter, And that's not necessarily the right guy in my Ooh. opinion, but they're, they're looking for someone to get in there and just control the situation. And I'm looking for, I'm saying you need Davey Johnson to get in there and be like, Let's, you know, or even though Joe Madden type, he's not, I, I, being a Cubs fan, I was always like, that's not the coach. Like, he's not the coach. He's not the guy, mm -hmm. but he's the, he's the, he's the chemistry guy. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that team chemistry, I think I learned that team chemistry is more important than I used to give it credit for. Well, I mean, we've seen throughout history, 
you know, players on the same team, like fight each other, beat each other up, uh, have this cold shoulder effect. Like, don't, you don't mess with me. I don't mess with you and still win championships. So that's why I really don't care about chemistry. Again, that's another narrative based journalism. This team lost because there's no chemistry. What, what, suddenly we, people care about science. Where were you in chemistry class when you were, I mean, you guys are teachers. You guys know that these damn kids don't care about chemistry, but you know, you, you, again, sports writing is about making people a public care about the sports that they're trying to cover. And this is another keyword that they like to use. Oh, well, the chemistry's not there. Okay. Well, what about the math and the physics and the English and the literature? Is that in there? All of a sudden these people care about their feelings. These macho men, these meat and potatoes guys, they care about feelings and, and science class get the hell out of here. But there might be a point to that, but I mean, we've, I mean, I, I can't help it. I've seen players literally fight in the dugout. Make it deep into the playoffs and into the. I mean, I, Jeff Ken and Barry Bonds had a tip in the dugout ma- once. And, but those managers handled it. I think well, Dusty man- Baker. You're right. Yes. No, they handled it. I think that you can have full on fisticuffs, and then, I mean, I've been a manager too. You know, I worked in the corporate world too. Um, you got to handle it though. Like, mm. I don't care what blows up and what goes down. I don't care if it was a rat or a raccoon or a fist fight in the <laughs> tunnel, the mat. When you ignore it it festers like there's there's a way to handle it and there's a way to just ignore it and i think when i say team chemistry i you they don't have to like each other at all like Mm -hmm. they can despise each other and be a machine yeah the chemistry when i'm talking about chemistry i go when i'm saying chemistry i don't mean like are they happy are they playing kumbaya Mm -hmm. i mean can the machine function Mm -hmm. properly no matter what can it just keep steamrolling right that the diesel engine is the chemistry Right, right. right. So that that's the chemistry I'm talking about. They're not holding hands. I don't care if they even like each other. Yeah. I agree. The teams can be just completely standoffish, and you'll see teams win a championship, and everyone kind of they're all shaking hands. It's like hug each other. You just won, man. You guys aren't friends. You guys aren't friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. You won a championship because the chemistry was right. Right. So the chemistry isn't friendship. The chemistry yeah. is not friendship. Yeah. Well, good example. I mean, good example. Look at the Bulls of yeah. the nineties. All of a sudden, yeah, now we're seeing to win, baby, win. You know, just I mean, win, baby. Just, All right, Al Davis. Rest in peace, John Madden. Right. Um, there was something that you mentioned, and 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 I lost my train of thought, but it's getting late, so I'll just um, I'll skip it. Uh, Austin, let's hear from you now. Um, what was the thing that you learned in 2021? Um, how stupid of an idea tanking is, because here's why: because baseball. Much, is different than any of the other in football. You know, you, you look at the NFL, how long have had the Patriots been good? How long have the Packers been good? How long have all of these teams been good? You know, it's a cycle. So yeah, it's easier to tank in the NFL because you know, you're, you're, you're bad for a long time and then you're good for a long time and then you're bad for a long time. Right. Um, basketball is the same right? Um, it's very easy for basketball teams to tank because how long were the Golden State Warriors good? How long were the, you know, were the Lakers good before LeBron decided he wanted to pull all of the, never mind. Um, and, um, you know, baseball, it's hard to tank because you could have the Orioles beat the Dodgers any day, right? Yeah, now, I guess. You know, now, 
Obviously, game of averages here. The Dodgers are obviously a better team, so they're going to have more wins on average. But the prime example here is the Braves. The mm-hmm. Braves were at 500, you know, or below 500 when it came to the trade deadline, when they got Jock Peterson and Adam Duvall and all of these guys. And then they traded and they traded for these guys patchworked when nobody thought, especially after Ronald Acuna got injured, nobody thought that they were going to do anything and the Mets were going to run away with the division. Anything can happen. The Mets tanked. The Phillies didn't capitalize. The Braves did. They rode that wave and won the World Series after being below 500 for much of the, at least the first half of the season. So, you know, conventional wisdom would have said, oh, well, let's start trading and let's start seeing if we can move some stuff around and keep Freddie Freeman and maybe have other. No, they were like, no, we're going to get Jock. You know, we're going to have Jocktober. We're going to, you know, <laughs> we're, we're going to buy him some pearls. We're going to get some, we're going to get Adam Duvall and we're going to get Rosario. Now, obviously there was some sort of luck there because I wouldn't have, you know, I would have, I wouldn't have expected um, Rosario to be the main, you know, contributor that he was in the playoffs, but still they got the right pieces after being 500 or below 500 and won the world series. So tanking and getting rid of all your players is not necessarily the the best the 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 best idea all the time, especially in baseball, because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, and that's uh, that was brought up earlier on this pot on this episode as well about how maybe tanking's overrated and may, that maybe hopefully that this is uh, and it's reflected in the CBA to go full circle here. That yeah, we want all thirty teams to compete and not just have top heavy top heaviness from this league. Now there's a there's an argument against having this sort of parity. Uh, I know that people don't like that, but again, it goes back to narrative based optics. Uh, you know, we need to have a good guy, a good guy team to root for and a bad guy team to jeer for. Right. So it, that's why it needs to be top heavy so we can continue to boo the Yankees and root on these uh, uh, lesser known teams like the Tampa Bay Rays or whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, we want to see a good product. We want to see team all fan 30 fan bases, feel like they have a shot and not have like their umpteenth transition year um, in major league baseball, like the Baltimore Orioles or the Pittsburgh pirates because mismanagement or lack of funds or crying poor or whatever, but no, it's, it's, let's go ahead. I think that's why this year, I don't know about anybody else, but I thought this NFL season was more entertaining than some of the other NFL seasons of recent times, because there were so many teams for a long time that had a shot, mm-hmm. right? They had a shot at the playoffs. Yeah. Now for the whatever, bears. You know, yeah, yeah, the bear. I mean, if the bears have a shot, then anybody has a shot. Um, but you know, it, it, it makes for better television. It makes for a better narrative and it makes for a better league when it's more than two teams that have a shot at winning the world series. Right. When, when you have six or seven or eight, you know, championship contenders, you're like, okay, this is going to be a bloodbath and it's going to get interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, take Antonio Brown out of it and you still have an entertaining season from the NFL. Yeah. So I would like to see the MLB get to that point where it's not just, Oh, we're looking at the Yankees and we're looking at the Dodgers to win the world series this year because 
Well, they've been good for the last 10 years. Uh, counterpoint to that, uh, Major League Baseball has not had a repeat champion since the Yankees did it in 2000 and 99 and 98 and 96. That's, that's so, but then the kind of argument to that is that, well, the Red Sox have won multiple championships. The Dodgers have been to multiple World Series. Even the Houston Astros, cheating or no cheating, they've also been a part of a multiple World Series. So, Red Sox. Red Sox I, I, I did mention the Red Sox, yeah. Um, and uh, But anyway, uh, we're getting... Uh, I, I, we could talk about this all day, every day, but uh, we're, it's getting late. Finally, oh, what I learned from 2020, uh, 2021, uh, this COVID it sucks is what I found out. It's affected pitching. It's affected player development. So hopefully they can get this stupid disease in order so we can go back to seeing our favorite prospects uh, get the development that they need to prosper and to help our Major League Baseball teams. And also... Um, uh, get pitching back in line to where it needs to be as well. Cause it, uh, that was very frustrating to deal with, with all these pitchers and uh, clearly being affected by the shortened 2020 season. So there's that also someone, Oh man, I have so many things to say and, and I, I'm not the focus to do it. Um, i trying to remember what I was. Oh, by the way, uh, Jonathan mentioned the whole Jeff McNeil thing about a raccoon. Well, raccoons and flying squirrels are natural enemies. And uh <laughs> <laughs> There was something that, that like, like I said, there was something, and I'm just, oh, I'm kind of kicking myself for not remembering. Um, oh, right. Vince mentioned that, getting back to the journalistic thing, when you become a journalist or uh, become, get into the business, you kind of have to set aside your fandom. And that's why when people look at me, you know, oh, you're not a real fan because you refer to teams. But it's not that just that, but I'm, 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 I have to, I'm always has to have this uh, sports writing hat on where I'm like, well, you have to be objective as possible when you're evaluating your own teams because it's it's practice. When you become a sports writer or even a, if you want to be a podcaster that people trust, you got to be objective. you got to be critical. And that's why White Sox fans hate me and that's why Cub fans hate me because I'm too critical of my favorite teams. But you do – I mean, it's, I, I think when I first – like, again, it's, like, this is a topic that it's very near and dear to my heart, but Ben Lindbergh said it best. Like, he was a Yankee fan. But as he became deeper into the sports writing uh, uh, venture of his, and now he has a podcast, he basically put his fandom to the side and to the point where he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't live and die hard for the New York Yankees like he used to when he was a kid. Uh, same thing with Steve Goldman uh, of the Infinite Inning podcast and also from Baseball Perspectives is that he was also a Yankees fan, you know, and becoming a writer has really put things into perspective where he's like, you know what, I, I can't be a, uh, I can't be a meat and potatoes guy. So I guess the point that I'm trying to make here is so many people, like Jonathan said, try to get into this business, try to become a podcaster, try to become a blogger. And to me, the worst ones are the ones who write as a fan. And I can see how that's very endearing to those fan bases that want to have that voice be represented. But for me, and I don't know about you guys, but those are the worst people to read because they're so biased and there's so um, there's no direction to their passion. It's just uh, this. I, I'm a meat and potatoes guy. I live and die hard on this. So I just wanted to point that out. That Vince is correct when he says that if you want to be in this business, you gotta cut. You gotta have to cut out your your fandom because you are gonna be interviewing people. I mean, he mentioned Pedro Martinez that he got to talk to him and he, and that put it perspective. Like, yeah, you know what? He's not that bad of a guy. Maybe I shouldn't be hating him like this much. So and he, he mentioned he warned you. Be a sports fan as long as you can be, because once you get into this business, you, you it does it doesn't 
it doesn't come back to that. Yeah. It doesn't come back. So I just wanted to say that. Lastly, Jonathan, I'll start with you. What do you want to see from Major League Baseball? It could be real baseball fantasy. It could be personal. It could be, uh, it could be meta. What do you look forward to in 2022? What do I want to see or what do I look forward to? It's open-ended. Uh, and the, the, here's the one caveat. It cannot be, I want to see baseball back because we all want to see baseball back. So yeah, make it right. unique. Make it unique. We just spent a whole half hour, 45 minutes talking about the CBA. What, what do you look forward to or what do you want to see in 2022? I want to see baseball lean into their young stars. They have a gold mine. What, whatever Tatis is doing, give me three of those. You know, mm. They have a gold mine in there. I'm, I, I make it no secret that, you know, and to even hark back to what you were talking about, I used to be a diehard Cubs fan. <clears throat> there was a time in which you would tell me, you know, I would tell you that Ryan Sandberg was the greatest second baseman of all time. <laughs> the more and more I study baseball, he's top 15. Okay. He's top 15 all time. Right. And I, and I, and I've come off of my fandom a lot and gone into understanding how great the Cardinals, oh, that was hard to say, how great the Cardinals really are and how, yeah, and how just amazing the franchise is and how amazing the, the players actually have been and are that you do have to come off your fandom and, and start to be honest with yourself about what you're looking at. One of the things I need to be honest with myself about what I'm looking at is, and I think everyone else does, people need to look at what Soto's doing. I think that if Soto doesn't get hurt, he will be the greatest player of all time. Mm. So I want people to lean. I want the MLB and people to lean into those superstar young players because I don't care if you made $650 million last year. Vladdy's amazing. I don't care if you think he's Babe Ruth or not. Show is amazing. So they need to really lean into that. And I hope they do. It's not the first time I heard people make that prediction about Juan Soto. He really is great. He's way advanced for a kid his age. Austin, uh, Russell. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. What was that? I, I cut, cut off. Yeah, that, play, that, that play discipline is, is staggering. So oh, yeah. It's he ridiculous. Could, he, and he swings just like Lou Gehrig. It's, it's really crazy. It's You've really seen crazy. Lou Gehrig hit? How old are you there, Jonathan? Jesus There's Christ. a couple videos. There's a couple films out there, and it's amazing to check it out. But share those links and tag me. I want to see that. Uh, Austin, 2022, what are you looking forward to? 2022, I'm looking forward to seeing those young stars play, but I think it's going to be more personal. Um, I, I think I'm looking to grow both of the podcasts that I'm a part of and um, really just develop my analytical understanding of baseball and, um, you know, lean, lean more into the fantasy part and just being more immersed in baseball because there was a time when I, I played ball and I played ball for a long time and I've always loved baseball. And then there was a time after I stopped playing where I really didn't do anything with baseball. I didn't watch baseball. I didn't, you know, I tried to coach, but I was like, ah, this, I just don't want to do it right now. And I just, you know, I didn't really want to do anything with baseball until a few years ago when I got into the baseball life group, you know, I started talking about, I started deciding, you know what, I want to get back into baseball. I want to start talking more about baseball. And I got into the baseball life group and now it's what, two years later. And now I have a pot. I'm part of two podcasts uh, talking about baseball and stuff. So I'm excited to develop 
my evaluation skills a little more. And, you know, I think I'm at that point now where, you know, yeah, I'm an angel fan, but I'm a baseball fan. Yep. You know what I mean? Like for, first and foremost, I'm a baseball fan. Now, if you tell me who's my favorite team, if you ask me who's my favorite team, I'm going to tell you the angels. But, you know, if you tell me, you know, you know if, if I, I think both of you guys have heard me talk enough to know that I'm a baseball fan yeah. that, you know, if, if you listen to my podcast, you wouldn't know that I was an angels fan until I told you, right? Because I think I've said more negative things about the angels than positive things about the angels. Well, to so, be fair, there's really nothing good to say about the angels right now. So, I mean, no, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I can, um, <laughs> We're, we're not going to go on that because I'm going to oh, go. I like, almost got him. I almost got him. I just said almost, almost, almost got me. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think I think I'm looking forward to diving more into evaluating these players and creating more of a methodology um, that is stronger in being able to evaluate players, whether it's just for my own liking, for the podcast or for fantasy. So I can, you know, finally shut Felipe up and, you know, finally beat him up with with fantasy and not have to talk about this stupid home and home field advantage thing anymore. You don't want to go with home field advantage. You got to win those stats, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, really? Well, speaking of which we are going to start, I'm going to start a third fantasy league this year. Uh, Austin's going to help me co-commission. And I think Jonathan is on the waiting list. Uh, last I checked, I think he will be a part of it if he wants to accept our invite. Because uh, everybody, oh, Felipe, let me be in your fantasy league. Let me, let me when, when a spot opens up, let me be in part of that league. Fortunately, there's only so many spots. But I think with the Austin's help, I think we can get a, I can get a third league in this year. And we can get all those other people who have been waiting on the waiting list for a while and get them in and see what we're made of. Uh, and yeah, but uh, yeah, part of the, I mean, that's why I had both of you guys on is because uh, you guys are open-minded. Um, and you guys are always constantly trying to perfect your craft as to how to go about evaluating these players. It's not an exact science because if, 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 if people who actually work on this, you know, hands on can't figure this out, what's the chances that we're going to figure it out getting secondary and tertiary sources to make these evaluations. And we're just, but anyway, that's a different topic. So I'm glad you pointed it out. I'm, I'm yeah, just stick with it, be open-minded, adapt, which you're doing all of that, uh, Austin and Jonathan as well. So, uh, lastly, for me, resolution, I know my goal is to go to more Major League Baseball stadiums, but I don't know, it's getting hard logistically and uh, with the baby in tow, it might be put on hold for a little bit. But I, I came to the realization that, you know, idiots, you have all these minor league, all these minor league ballparks near you living in suburban Chicago. Go catch a Schaumburg Boomers game or uh, a Kane County Cougars game or here comes Jonathan with the Chicago Dogs game uh, cap. <laughs> <laughs> are, who are they affiliated with do you know it's american association baseball it looks like double a but it's not it's its own thing uh so boomers are frontier league they're american association they're their own leagues and people get pilfered up all the time as soon as they start playing well your okay. your favorite players go to somebody's minor league team and it's it's fun and you get to go it's great man i love both of them uh boomers Won the whole thing in Frontier League, and then Dogs went to the championship and uh, uh, messed it all up. But anyway, they got both dogged. Of them made the, both, yeah, they, they did it to themselves. But both, you know, both of them are supposed to be really great experiences, family experiences. There's like dog nights. There's Star Wars nights. It's fun. It's supposed to be. I love the dogs. We go all the time. 
Yeah, and I mentioned King County as well. I don't know if they're still in existence or not. Are they still in existence? County, King County joined uh, American Association, and they play against the Dogs. Oh, okay. And uh, last team I know locally around here is the Joliet Jackhammers. Is that still? Are they still around? Do you know? Yes, Jackhammers are. I think the team that bought the Gary Railcats owned the Jackhammers. I was doing some reading about it, but I think the Jackhammers are still playing. I think they're in the Frontier League. All right. Yeah. Like I said, it's probably cheaper and it's closer to my house as opposed to going to into the city where, you know, again, I live in suburban Chicago. So, yeah, we walked up once with as a family and asked for ticket or went to buy tickets. And we must have looked cute as a button because the owner gave us his tickets. We got the nice cushy padded seats right behind home plate. Sweet. Like people bring in you hot dogs. Like, I don't have to go get this myself. Okay, thank you. Like, it was fun. It was cool. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Well, if, I mean, if that's the case, if owners are going to give out tickets like that, maybe we can make a, a baseball life group meetup with all the Chicago yeah. residents and just uh, hang out at the uh, yeah. minor Check league. Check them out. They're fun. All right. Let yeah. me know. I'll have my people call your people for sure. All right. And that's, that's good. a good way to end this program. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us today. Uh, we went longer than expected, as usual. We, you're probably missing the Bears uh, give up a fumble or something right now. But uh, <laughs> but. But uh, no, thanks for coming on and uh, ad- adapting because you, you, I think I feel like you kind of at the last minute figured out what the show was going to be. And unfortunately, we didn't get to too much number crunching, but there's a lot to talk no about. So, yeah, hey, man. Guy, check out Baseball Harmony. All the numbers are there. It's ever evolving. Just like just like Austin, I'm, I'm looking to up my game on the analytics side. And that's what I'm doing. Austin and I are putting our heads together and trying to work on some pitching numbers. Uh, next year, this time, we're going to be even awesomer. Yeah, using words that don't exist. That's great, man. Great teaching <laughs> advice. Uh, Austin, where can they find you again? We math. We don't know how to speak. Um, <laughs> X equals Y plus B. <laughs> uh, plugging. Uh, so along with hosting this um, or co-hosting this with Felipe, I'm also the host of my own podcast, the Round Trippers podcast. Um, my most recent episode just came out with other Baseball Life members, Corey Decker and Vince Mercandetti, where we talked all about baseball journalism. It was a great discussion. Um, you can find me on, you can find that podcast on Spotify, Apple podcasts, anywhere you watch uh, or anywhere you listen to um, podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter at round underscore trippers.com. Uh, that was wrong. You can find me on Twitter at round underscore trippers. And then you can also email me at roundtripperspodcast at gmail.com. If you have a question, you want to leave feedback or you want me to research something, I'll go ahead and do it for you and put it on the show. You have a story to tell because I love telling personal baseball stories. I might put it on the show. Um, so, yeah. And then I also host or I, I produce, I should say, um, over at Pop Culture Life. We are starting up yet another uh, bracket for our um, pop culture podcast. And this bracket is best Disney movies of all time. So our bracket is set. We have 32 Disney movies and we're going to get it down to one. Can't wait to see what our group um, decides is the best Disney movie of all time. Because the Christmas movie one was really interesting. It was interesting because the movie that should have won, won. Home Alone is the best Christmas movie of all time. Just like I kept telling you people, uh, I kept telling you people that Office Space was the greatest comedy of all time. And that's the, the movie that won, despite the fact that nobody likes my opinions and think that I have bad takes and shit like that. So you know, keep questioning me, man. But you guys, uh, you guys are, you know what? 
you guys only hate on me, but you're really hating yourselves is what the, the lesson that's learned here. So uh, lastly, for me, uh, Twitter at pathological underscore the letter H, the number eight. Uh, you can, um, what do you call it? Uh, check us out at the Baseball Life Facebook group and uh, check And we go live typically every Sunday morning. Next week will be on Monday morning during MLK Day talking about the Hall of Fame. So for Jonathan, Austin, I am Felipe. Thanks for listening. We'll take care. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks.